All right. Just going to read from a, a few portions in the scripture, and then we're going to trust God for his uh, thoughts towards us this morning. This is Matthew, uh, the 16th chapter. Matthew, the 16th chapter and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's a question that God asks each individual. And he only asked that to those that are his. Because he asked Peter, and Peter is a type of you and I, you know, we're born again. So he asks us, uh, who do you, do men say that I am? That's what he asked him. He said, who do men say? In other words, what are their thoughts and their communication towards you? And what do they say? And who do they say that I am? And they, and they said, some say that you were John the Baptist and he was a servant, right? But was he Christ? No, he was a servant, right? And some say Elijah and some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And this is what he would ask each of us individually this morning. And he said unto them, and he said it individually, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, you are very blessed. You are very blessed, Simon, son of John, and the reason that you are is because it didn't come from blood and flesh. It didn't come from that. And that's what did not reveal it to you, and that's why you're blessed. But, and there's the separation of my Father which is in heaven. And this is what Jesus would say to each of us this morning. If we can take one thing away this morning, and uh, he can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just, just rehearse it to our minds, no matter where we are, no matter what we face. And this is what he says to us as individuals, and I say unto you, that you are, and put your name there. That's what I was doing this morning. He said, put, he told me, he said, put your name there. And you can put your name there. That you are Peter, or whatever your name is, and upon this rock, I will build my church. I will do it. And the gates of hell, all the power of hell pouring through against you will not prevail against you. It's just not going to happen. Now, then we go to, and then I'm just going to turn to, and we, this is going to cover a lot, but we're just going to trust God. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And just, just look how it is in, in verse 1. This is Paul. He said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. When did he become a prisoner of the Lord? What was his whole life prior to that? What was his whole thought life prior to meeting Christ? I mean, anyone outside of his own thinking was an enemy. He thought a certain way. <laughs> As a religious man, and he thought a certain way, and in his own thoughts, everybody that didn't think just like him was his enemy until he met Christ. Then he became a prisoner. It's great to be a prisoner 
of Christ. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I am beseeching you <laughs> that you walk worthy, that you walk worthy of him who's all your value and worth, of that vocation wherein you're called. And how should we do that? With all lowliness, all humility, and all meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing, putting up with each other. We'll see some of these words. Forbearing one another where? In love. Okay. Who was Paul a prisoner of? Christ. Who's Christ? He's God. Who's God? He's love. He's a prisoner of love. When we're a prisoner of love, we're held captive in God's one thought about us. And when we're not, I was just thinking, you know, in, in my own marriage, just literally just thinking in my own marriage this morning, and we're going to see this this morning, that me as a Christian, when I try to make what's coming against me from the atmosphere my battle, I not only have to pay for it, but you know who else has to pay for it? One that's closest to me. And if I'm getting worn out, you know, Daniel 7, verse 25, it says, he speaks great words against the Most High. What do you think that means? That the enemy is speaking great words against who I am in Christ and who he is in me, because you can't separate them. You know, his love for us has welded us together. It's inseparable, and that's that Hebrew word, hashak. You know, it, it, with a love, he loves us with a love that will not let us go. Just won't let us go. So this is what it says, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. That's an individual thing that happens. In the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Notice that. One who fathers us, the one who has captured us through his son, through giving us his son. Well, he's the same father of all, who is what? He's above all, right? But yet through all. And this is what I really love, and in us all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure, and notice what it says, of the gift of Christ. We've all been given Christ. Now we all have a gift a specific gift to function in. Why? And this is why. Because in verse 8, wherefore he said, he said when, he, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. In other words, he led a whole multitude of captives captive. That's all of us. Captured in his love and brought to a position in him above everything. God's one thought. And that's a fulfillment of of prophecy in Psalm 68, verse 18. He led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men. And there it says, even to the rebellious. But it doesn't say that here, why? Because Christ has fulfilled all, all of our disobedience, paid for our sins, and crucified that guy. He only sees us in himself. He just has to get us there. (laughs) He just does. And uh, so, verse 9, now that he ascended, what is it that, that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? That's not hell. Christ never went into hell. Uh, he never did. He went into the grave, and he, his body wasn't even corrupted. 
Okay, he never went into hell. Uh, he went into the grave. But the, he first went into the lower parts of the earth. He came down. What does that mean? Did he come to the lowest of our low? How far did he go to get us? Ah, he went low. <laughs> he had to, right? Because, boy, we fell with a distance that we just couldn't make up, obviously. First into the lower parts of the earth, he that, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he, in some translations say, he that, he, that he might fill all things. Well, it's fulfill all things. The only one that could fulfill everything about who God is, is God himself. Now, when, when it talks about gifts, and we'll get into gifts here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter again, where we are in the 11th verse, this is what we have to see. He that descended is, is the same that also ascended up far above all the heavens. That's ruling. That's reigning. I mean, above everything. We are in him. And in him, we will rule and reign above everything for all eternity. But time is preparing us for that. So is it worth it? Do we reckon that the sufferings of this present time, sometimes we have to suffer when we all do. God, bad decisions, bad thoughts, bad emotions. But then we suffer righteously too through being accused in Revelation 12, verse 10. Right? But do we reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us and on us. Because we're going to rule and reign with him throughout all eternity above everything. Because, you know, once God gives you his son to marry him, he doesn't divorce, he doesn't change his mind. And Christ is going to rule and reign about everything. That's what time. That's what God's thoughts, that's what his love has prepared for us already. But we need to go through training so that we can be equal in our understanding. And it can only be by grace. So here we have this in 4.11. And he gave. Notice what it says there. He gave some. Some there means not all. That's why there were truly only in Christ's earthly, earthly walk, he only had truly 11 disciples. Of course, Judas, was he? No. But in heavenly, he only had one apostle, one special messenger, and that was Paul. Was Saul, and then he became Paul. He was big. Saul, big in his own thinking, big in his own ways. And then he met Christ, and he became Paul, little. And when he makes us little, he's making room for a big Christ in us who's above everything, and showing us how far above we are. And so when it says he gave some apostles and some prophets, okay, those are done. There are no more apostles. Requirements. You had to have face-to-face -face contact with Christ and the Word and hear it, and in, in times you, you've written it, but you had to have face-to-face -face contact with him. Now, Paul had it in, in a height above the other 11. He had it with the ascended Christ. That's you and I. It's so, it, it truly is amazing. And he gave some, and this is the church age now. There are no more apostles. There are no more prophets. 
The prophets here again, please understand that they are New Testament prophets. They're not Old Testament because they never knew these things at all. Okay, they just never knew the things that you and I, God is making known to us that are ours in Christ. (laughs) They didn't know it. And, And look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, you'll see. Many waited for these things, and and they didn't see them like you and I are are getting right now. And some of the things that they went through. And so here's here's the dispensation of grace, the church age now. And there are some evangelists, soul winners, right? And some pastors and teachers, and that's one office. And an office, really, it's just a function, by the way. That's the better word. Uh, A pastor, and what is a pastor? A shepherd, right? And who's a shepherd himself? He's a sheep. He has to be led. (laughs) So pastors and teachers. And then look what it says. For the perfecting, for the maturing of the saints. This is where, this is God's order and his operation of taking out what? In each of us, nonsense. And nonsense is based upon what we believe to be is our own thinking, which isn't. We either function in Christ under the, power of the Holy Spirit, or we function under the prince and power of the air. That's just the way it is for all of us. And so he gave some for the what? Maturing of the saints, taking out nonsense. And what is that supposed to mean? Well, that, what does that mean? And here, even in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, here's what it says. And I'm going to read from Jeremiah in the first chapter. In verse 5, and this should be very comforting because this is true about Jeremiah in, in terms of who he was in God's view, who God made him to be, and the function of his gift. Okay, and that's true about him here, but that's true about every single one of us. The truth about it is this. <laughs> oh boy, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And what does that mean? He knew every single thing that would happen to us. He knew every single wrong decision, sin that we would ever commit. He knew every single wrong sin and rejection of every other individual towards us. He knew it all before he formed us in the belly. Yet he still did. Yet he still did. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before the enemy could do anything, before the flesh failing could do anything, he knew, he knew us. And before you came forth out of the womb, I what? I sanctified you. You know what that means? I set you apart for me. That's who I did. No wonder it says in Hebrews 12 too, looking away, don't, don't carry weights. What is a weight in Hebrews 12? One, it's my thinking apart from Christ. It just is. And if it's, if it's not, Christ, the one thought of God towards me, then who is the source of my thinking? Because it's not our own. It just isn't. It isn't. Before uh, you came and you came out of the womb, I sanctified. I set you apart for me, knowing everything. I already set you apart. I already had a plan for everything that would come against you, and no wonder it would say. It would say that in Isaiah 54 and verse 17, every weapon that is formed against you will not prosper. You know, it may feel like it, may seem like it, of natural thinking under the 
prince and power of the air, but not according to God's one thought. No. I sank, I set you apart for me. Okay, and in some translations it says ordained, and this is a is a word that entered into uh, the system in Christendom which has no place whatsoever in God's thoughts because the Hebrew word is I just gave. The same way it says in Ephesians 4, 8, he gave gifts unto men. He gave. Where did the, the giving, or you want to call it ordination, start? In the eternal mind of God, what part did man ever have to do with that? Didn't have anything. And I gave you a prophet unto the nations. Now here's what, then said I, oh Lord God, behold, I can't speak. For I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not that I'm a child, for you will go to all that I will send you. Oh, do I have to go? <laughs> because if I have to go and I'm going to preach these certain things, I know what can happen. I don't want to go, God. I don't want to go. But stop saying you're a child. Stop saying this. I can't. You ever say that? I can't do it anymore. Stop. Stop. For you will go to all that I will send you, and whatsoever I command you, you will speak. Jeez, please, Lord, no, no, I don't want to do it. Got to do it. Okay. Now, but be not afraid of their faces, their countenances, you know. We can't, look at, you know, honestly, can we hide? Can any hide from God? Read Psalm 139, 12, uh, verse 7 to 12. Can, we, can any of us hide from him? We can't do that. And if we're truly after him, and I believe I am by the, by the grace of God, and everyone here is, I just believe that. I do. There's going to be fears that are going to cause us to hide. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you says the Lord. What's that mean? You do what I tell you to do and I'll deliver you and I'll take care of the rest because he can only do both. <laughs> then the Lord put forth his hand. Oh, thank God for grace. Touched my mouth. The Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. And look what he, look what he does. And this is how he does it. And it's no different today. It just isn't. See? Yes. <laughs> I have, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to do what? Oh, yes. Hmm. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down. All this is coming against me. 
<sighs> what is going on, God? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I feel like Jacob. I feel like I'm losing everything. I'm confused. I'm in the, um, my thoughts are aimless. I just don't know what's going on. And where do I fit in, God? That's what Jacob was saying. And he said, and as a result of his thinking, he said in Genesis 42, 36, all these things are against me. All this, God, this rooting out, this pulling down and destroying and throwing down is against me. No, it's to plant. It's to build and to plant. That's what it's for. Okay, and that is, literally, that is, now we go back to understand this. Now we go back again to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. 11th verse. And he gave some apostles, prophets, and some evangelists. Here we are in this dispensation of grace, the church age. Some evangelists, what do they do? They're the wind people. They come out of a local assembly, by the way. I've never, it, that's the wrong way. Now, God was faithful with other men. What a surprise, right? He was still faithful to us, even when we weren't in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. You know, when it says, even if we, and, and Paul's including himself when he's telling a young pastor, Timothy, when he's telling him that, even if we abide not faithful, guess what? He's, he, he abides faithful. He can't deny himself. What's that mean? He will not deny his love that he has for you and I. Just won't do it. And it's not, it's not contingent upon our thoughts. It has nothing to do with them. Because where were we when he was doing all this in his eternal mind? Well, he gave some evangelists that come out of a local assembly and they you know, then they're supported. That's God's order. They're, they're supported by the local assembly. As he goes out and preaches, then he comes back and he gets built up. And then some pastors and teachers. That's the local assembly. For what? The maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to that proper place of the one faith. We're all one the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, that's key, unto a complete man, a very mature, complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Because if we're not taught, and we don't know, and God doesn't root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down, if he's not doing those things, what? We become like little children again, tossed to and fro. Oh, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every what? Wind of doctrine, okay, by, by the slight of men, that can be unsaved men or could even be a carnal Christian counseling me as God's doing all these things in me. And I think they're against me and they're not, they're for us, right? Every wind of doctrine. What's every wind of doctrine? What is every wind of doctrine? Well, if I forget God, what, what caused me to forget him? Was it God's thought? Would it have been, or could it have been God's thought? It wasn't. Here's what happened. This is 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, and we'll see verse 2. Verse 1, now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, distinctly, ritos, that's the Greek word, expressly, it distinctly, 
distinctly, crystal clear, understand this, that in the latter times, and we're in the latter times. In church history, we are in the Laodicean age. That's the truth. The Laodicean age is brought out in Revelations 3, 14 to 22. Some will depart from the faith. All those teachings about, listen, who Christ is and what he's accomplished. When, when that happens, how did it happen? What made it? Some will depart from the faith. Why? Because they gave heed and they were seduced by his spirit. How did, how did they do that? Thoughts. Well, can we really think on our own outside of Christ? Do we even do that? Do we think so? You know, the enemy convinces us that we do. Nope. No man is master of himself. No man. There is, there is one will that was before Satan fell there became two wills. Listen, there's two wills, two thought forces, and two functions. That's it. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. All these thoughts. Where do we think they come from for any of us? Speaking lies. We don't function in truth. What do we function in? Who is truth in John 14, 6 and John 17, 17? It's Christ himself. Speaking lies, and then that leads us to what? Just pretend. We can only, listen, if we're truly after God, we truly want him, sooner or later, we just can't hide it anymore. We can't pretend anymore. Let's, come on. That's when he makes it, has to bring us to weakness, honestly. That's the place where he brings us to that we're actually vulnerable. Now, does the flesh like that? Do any of us like that? And we don't. Thank God he doesn't go according to what we like. It's all about his love for us. Listen, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, cauterized with this thinking. I'm not going to, nope. This is the way it is. That's it. This is the way it is. This is the way I see them. And of course, you know, me as a husband, if I'm saying it, am I expressing that to Gene? Oh, Lord God Almighty. They're going to be, a, you know, you've got to be a huge change. <laughs> and it's aimless, and it's like, whoa, all of a sudden. Well, why? Because he speaks great words in Daniel 7, verse 25, right, through thought force. He speaks great words against the Most High. To do what? To wear out the saints. How? Not thinking with the one thought that Christ is. So he, he wants to, he can't change our position, but he wants to cauterize our experience so that the entrance of the words in Psalm 119, 130, that would give light, would show the areas, right? Do you think a thief coming in, breaking in, or getting in silently to a house and someone discovers it and they put the light on, do you think they like the light? You think the thief does, Satan? When he's affecting us in areas, do you think that he wants to convince us that the light is against us? Oh, God. He wants to cauterize this thinking. That's what he, he seeks to do in all of us. But what is God doing? We do get tossed to and fro. 
when we don't think with God. And we're carried about. Because, you listen, we're going to be carried by Christ, carried through, or by an enemy. Okay? Carried about with what? Every wind. Who's the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2.2? 2, 2? 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world. Why does it say there, in 2 Corinthians 4.3, it says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Listen, everything that we're hearing is ours. But can we be lost in it and it doesn't become ours anymore? If our gospel be hid, the whole truth about who Christ is and all that teaching, if it be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And you get lost, you're aimless, no purpose. All this stuff is swirling. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, help us, Lord, right? carried about by every wind of doctrine, and then I, the Satan, become the slight of men. Now I'm going to start counseling others about what we should do based upon my own thinking. Oh, Lord. And cunning craftiness, whereby they, who's they here, lie in wait to deceive. Who's they? It's all those evil spirits. We just read it in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Convincing us. What can the enemy do more? Covertly or overtly? Overtly means we think they're our thoughts. We lose who we are in our experience. We lose proper reality, proper direction. We become, then they're our thoughts. And then still with our own thoughts, he, we think they're our own, but the enemy's convincing us, now you got to do something. And usually, right away, that's it. That's it. Right away. I can't do this anymore. Oh, Lord, help us. They lie in wait to deceive, but being separated then, speaking, confessing the truth in love, that's through the teaching, may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Which head are we going to think with? Oh, I know with my wife, my first one and my, my second one here, boy, oh, boy. Ooh, and I don't think right. It ain't me that's just paying for it. I'm going to guarantee you that. I, through being worn out with thinking that doesn't come from God, I guarantee you, I have in the past. Thank God, no condemnation, but I'll wear her out. Boy, we need to take care of our wives because we need to be watered. And if we don't water ourselves, we can't water them. And they're, See those? That's what they are. They're little flowers. That's what they are. We need to water them. We need to water each other. That's Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, which is, which, is, which is the head Christ, from whom now, now when I do that, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. In other words, everyone in their place, experientially in Christ, joined together not only with who they are in Christ, but their gifts now functioning properly for the benefit of the whole, for the glory of Christ and the blessing of others, fitly joined together and compacted. What does it mean to be compacted? No room for anything else. It has to compact Christ in us. So there's no room for anything else. But we said before, if God's going to do a remodeling job, he's got to take the old out. That's Jeremiah 1.10. He's got to get the old out. He does with all of us. And the fact is, even the, the gifted men, and they're gifted because it's Christ and it's grace, period, 
Even that, they, they are constantly dealing with their own issues, constantly with their battle. Then they have, to, they have to be put in a place, and God wouldn't put a man or a woman in a place that he didn't have his grace to accomplish it. He's got to deal with this, too. <laughs> and that's why it's so very necessary in Acts, the sixth chapter, and the fourth verse, for leaders to not be busy with any other thing than study and preaching and teaching of the word and giving themselves in prayer for the body. That's Acts 6, 4. That's why he has to give himself to prayer. Because if he doesn't, he's going to make the battles of others become his with his own too. How's that work? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. You can trust Christ for that one. Well, being compacted by that which, listen, every joint supplies. Does every joint have a supply? I don't know. Does everyone have Christ in them? How, how, is, that, is that supply enough? According to the effectual working, in the measure, listen, of every part, of every part, I, you know, a little thing, it doesn't do much. Yeah, drop that puppy off. How's the whole body feel? And it's, you'll, we'll see how important it was when it's gone. Oof. Sometimes we need, God does need us to go away in our thinking. And honestly, again, when we come to the end of ourselves and self-helplessness and self-hopelessness, who do we find? Find God. That's what he's bringing. That's why all that rooting and tearing and, and pulling down and throwing down, that's what all that's for. It makes increase, when every part is fun, it makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in what? Well, I function in love and who I am in Christ, and then I love you. And when I don't, do I love you? Well, if, if it's not God's love, his thoughts, then what are my thoughts? I'm against everybody and everybody's against me. Mm -mm. Well, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. I'm a witness of this that you henceforth stop walking like an unsaved person. Stop walking like Christ isn't in you. In the what? Emptiness, the vanity, the pride, the vanity of their own mind. Why? Because they have their understanding what? Darkened by what? The thoughts of the enemy. And being what? Alienated, alienated here without getting into the original, which we, we will at some point, is a non-participator. I'm not participating with him in my experience. It's true about who I am, my position, but I am not participating in it. Being alienated from the life of God through what? Ignorance, right? What is deception? He deceives the whole world. That's what he's saying. Stop walking like under the prince and power of the air uh, that you used to walk in. Now you're going back there. And, and who does... Who, who does who does the enemy have deceived? He has the whole mass of humanity unsaved. And when a believer forgets God doesn't have his thoughts, he, walks, he or she walks just like them. Stop it, he's saying, stop it. And because they're ignorant, 
Now, they're functioning in ignorance, right? We, they don't know God. So the only way that people can function when they don't know God, saved or unsaved, or forget God <laughs> as a believer, is to function in the pride of ignorance. I think I know. What is deception? I think I know something, but I don't. But I, I'm convinced that I do. I'm convinced of these. The enemy has convinced me in specific areas. He convinced Jacob. Listen, pal, all these things are against you. They're all against you. Well, what can be against us? Read Romans 8, 28 to 39. What can be against us that Christ hasn't already dealt with? But how do we think? And he's leading us through it, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the... Is, so what is it? Is it? Does the shadow have any substance? No, he's leading us right through. The gauntlet at times, too. <laughs> they walk, stop walking is unsaved. In the vanity, the emptiness of their mind, because they've been, they have their understanding. You, when you walk like them, have your understanding darkness darkened, and you're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the what? Blindness there is hardness, by the way. And you know, that's the cauterizing in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 2. Having their conscience cauterized, cauterized. It's hardened. Nothing can penetrate. The thoughts of the enemy coming in because he doesn't want the penetration of the light and life and that love life of Christ penetrating in it. Look, you know in construction, too. I mean, look, it's so hard. It can be very stressful. They'll tell you that. If a, if a, a true contractor, he's been in it for a while, not only knows his trade through skill, he's done it, he's skilled, but he's going to tell you, this is going to be stressful. It is. You're going you're to face that. Because i got to tear this stuff out. i got to tear it out. And maybe, maybe you've got to be there while that's happening. That's even... <laughs> But I got to tear it out. And it's going to take a little while. Okay? But if you, if you want this transformation, this has got to take place. And all that's taking place is what's already happened in our position. There's going to be stress. It's not bad, though. It isn't. We may think it is. We may think it's against us, but it's not against us. God's for us in Romans 8, 31. Psalm 56, verse 9, he's for us. He is not against us. That's God's thought. He is not against us, right? But instead, being alienated and non-participator in the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their mind. Their mind gets cauterized, and what's cauterized within that mind? All those lying thoughts who being past feeling, I'm done. You know when God can't get his thoughts in us, when we fight against the, the renovation, the destruction, the tearing down, look at what happens. Who being past feeling have given up. When You know what we do when we give up? I'm telling you. If I, me personally, if I don't go forward with God in an area and he doesn't come in or allow my backsliding in Jeremiah 2.19 to correct me, and then his grace and chastisement comes in, and that doesn't work, what do we do? We quit. You know what we go back to? Look what it says. 
We give themselves over unto lasciviousness again. When I can't handle things, I will handle them the way I used to. Now, how do we do that? When we think God's against us, when we actually think that, what do we usually do? Come on. We don't, we go, we're, if we haven't gotten there, we're on our way. Right back to all that old, I can't handle it. I got to... I gotta, uh, you know, pour the alcohol down. I gotta do the drugs. I gotta, I gotta escape somehow. The crazy sex, and I, I gotta escape somehow. I can't handle this. I gotta get out. That's lasciviousness. To work all what uncleanness. That starts with thoughts, by the way, and with greediness. But separated, you have not so learned Christ. You haven't. You want to keep the house? Yeah, I do. All right, I'm going to have to renovate. Well, how long is that going to take? I don't know, but I'm telling you, it's going, to be, it's going to be stressful, but it's for you. All right. Where do you see it when it's done? God, where do you see it? You'll be able to rest, be comfortable. You'll have solid doors and windows to keep anything out. You'll have peace. You'll have a, you'll have a, a foundation that's immovable, when thing, the enemy comes in and, and God will do that with chastisement, that's not against us because even Hebrews, the 12th chapter, read those 29 verses, he's going to shake things that can be shaken. So the things that can't, that's the foundation. Ah, foundation. See, the foundation's good. It's just he's got to do some renovation. Foundation's set. Now he's going to build walls. Uh, Isaiah 60, verse 18. He's going to build the walls of Jerusalem and walls of, of salvation, deliverance, keeping things out that don't belong, and gates of praise. When the doors open, ah, when the mouth opens, it's praise. Ah, I'm so restful. Because he's put the two most important things in a house, once you get the, is the foundation and the roof. And the roof is love. Just keeps it out. That's, what, that's what's going on. God's the greatest contractor. He knows what he's doing. Sometimes we, sometimes we may, not, may not like the tools sometimes we, that he uses in his hands, and sometimes we may not like the packages, you know, the treasure that's in those. Some of those can be pretty rough, rough packages. They can, but they get a treasure inside. And... But we've not learned Christ this way. If so be that you have heard him, we need to hear him, we need to be taught, and have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus, that you, start, that you put off that former lifestyle, that thinking that led you to do all these self-destructive things. In Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word, he healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Listen, if there's something wrong in the house and needs to be taken out, he's got to take it out. But it's love that does it. That you put off the former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Remember in Genesis 6, 5, that altered nature that we, that we got from the enemy as a result of the fall? Do you remember what God said about it? It's still true. In Genesis 6, 5, in Genesis 8, verse 21, not just the thought of fallen man is evil and corrupt, but all his designs and purposes. No wonder it says 
That fellowship in 1 John 1, 1 to 3 is kinonia. It's setting aside private interests and desires for the benefit of the whole. That's the whole operation of Ephesians 4, 8, all the way through to where we are. Right? And be renewed. Renewed. Well, you want to keep the house? Yeah. But, I, I, okay, do you want this new? Yeah, I got to take the old out so it can be renewed. <laughs> And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Why does it say the spirit of your mind? Because we have these human spirits. And when we submit to God, God flows. But when not, we submit to others. The doctrines of demons. Seduced by what? Evil spirits. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and the holiness of truth. That's the proper way to read that. The holiness of truth. Okay, and we're just going to wrap this up. We're just touching, and these things are going to take more time, obviously, because it's so much that God has for us. And listen, this is all for us. When God's tearing things out in our life that don't belong there in our experiences, because He's for us. He's renewing us. He's making our home a place, listen, where he can rest, he can move out and move in, and we can rest in him. Wow. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, and boy, I tell you, I wish we had more time, these things, but we won't this morning anyway. Well, verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, unmovable. That's Christ, right? That's Christ in 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11. He's the foundation in Psalm 11, verse 3, that he talked about and we read in Matthew 16, verse 18. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure and movable. It's having this seal, absolute finished approval. You put a seal on something, it's done. It's complete. And with that seal, there's authority. <laughs> and no one can break that seal. The Lord knows them that are his. Boy, he knows us. And let everyone that names the name of Christ that they have in their own individuality as their life depart from iniquity, self-will. But, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Now we are perfect in our position, but in areas of our life, all of us, all of us, there's areas of dishonor. But there's areas of honor, and we're grown, and this is a process. So it makes patience so very vital. Very, very vital, right? But also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, the word can be taught, but can the teacher that's, that the word's flowing through do that? Nope. Watch what it says. If a man purge himself from these, is that experience? Yes, it is. Right? He will be a vessel unto what? Honor. Sanctified, set apart, and qualified, meet, qualified for the master's use. Oh, boy. Boy, when he uses us, oh, geez. So different than being used by the enemy. <laughs> used by one, abused by another. I have abusive thoughts. You think if they're not dealt with, they're not going to hit somebody else? And I think so. Dear Lord. 
and prepared. What is God preparing us with? His word, his thoughts. Unto every what? Good work. Whose good work is it? It's Christ. But he can make it mine. Flee also youthful lust. See, the enemy has a plan. Eh? (laughs) You can't take this anymore. This is nonsense. Okay, I'll give you a way out. You know what that way out is? All those things we hated? When we talked about Proverbs 26, 11, it's the doggy, little doggy going back to what he vomited. Nom, 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 nom. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow. Oh, the flesh don't want to do that. Mm-mm, flesh does not want to do Follow righteousness, faith, love. If you see charity there, cross it out. It's agape. It's God. Peace. When I have God's loving thoughts in me, what's the thing I experience? I have what? Peace. With them that call on the Lord. Who are you calling on? Yourself? Your own thoughts? Enemy? Then you're going to call on someone else and share them? That call on the Lord out of a heart that's a mind that's been purified, cleansed, purged. But foolish, foolish, who's a fool? Lives by his own thoughts, his own opinions, and own plans, and own designs. Proverbs 18, 2. Look it up in the Amplified Bible. But foolish and unlearned questions. I don't know. Did the enemy seduce Eve away from her husband, Adam? Can the enemy do that with us? Our true head. And did he seduce her away? And started creating questions in her mind. You know, God's keeping this back from you because, you know, He really doesn't love you. He's keeping something back. But I'm going to tell you something. You can, you can be just like Him without Him. Let me tell you how. Seduced. Genesis 3, 1 to 6, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Seduced. Right? <laughs> But foolish and unlearned questions, what? Avoid. Well, when should that happen? How long should she have entertained him? How long do we with our thoughts? Just, geez, oh man, God help us. That aren't, we think they're ours. Foolish and unlearned questions, avoid. Knowing that they do gender what? All kinds of confusion and fightings and thoughts, and of course your sleep is really great at that point. Psalm 127, verse 2, he gives his beloved restful sleep. No wonder they had to take the word in Psalm 16, 6, and 7. If they took it in, they obeyed it. (laughs) Their minds playing back all this beauty, and the lines have fallen out, protective lines of the word. God, we need it. As we begin to wrap this up this morning, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they gender strives, all kinds of confusions. And the the servant, who's a servant, that word here, servant, is doulon from doulos. It's a bond slave. One whose will is swallowed up in the will of another. Literally, in this context, it's the pastor. It's the pastor. In this context. That's true about all of us. But in the teaching aspect, this is where it's true. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all. 
Sometimes we think what we, we determine what gentleness is, and for the most part it's gentle. But was Christ, who is gentleness and meekness himself, in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, when he was rebuking Peter and when he was rebuking the Pharisees, how do you suppose he did that? Honestly, is God as my with a very loud voice? Sometimes, sometimes, like in sports, the coach has to speak to certain individuals a certain way. He just does. And he may even be innocent of that. Well, I laugh sometimes. Uh oh. <laughs> Servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all. Apt. Apt there is highly skillful in the Word of God. Seriously. He's been around for a while. He's gone through some things. He's had his nose in the book. Because, you know, he had to have it, had to have it put there. <laughs> Constantly. Right? Apt to teach is highly skillful and very long-suffering. You know what long-suffering here, maclothumia and maclothymia, literally means? Putting up and bearing with all kinds of evil. <sighs> yes, we all have that. I'm talking about us all, not just little me. In patience, in meekness, instructing those that who? Do I, do I think God's against me? Has the enemy convinced me? Has the enemy convinced me that others are against me? He's doing that because who's he opposing? The person he's convincing that of. Boy, oh boy. The person that he's convincing of that. Right? If that oppose themselves, if peradventure, God will, will give them repentance, a complete change of mind, so that they start, once again, acknowledging the truth about who they are and their experience. Right? And that they may recover. They may recover. Recover there is awake in the Greek. Some people, I don't like to be shaken. I don't like my place. I don't like my life being shaken. Hey. <laughs> Good thing he doesn't go by what we think we like. <laughs> you know, we counsel God what we like and what we don't like, right? I don't know. That's not based upon truth, is it? <laughs> God. And that they may, what? Awake themselves, listen, out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Satan's will. Captivated. By who? Taken captive. Listen, love, Christ, has captured us. We read it in Ephesians 4.8. He led captivity. He led a multitude of captives captive in his love. That's what Ephesians 4.8 is saying, by the way. That's our position. And boy, does he hate us. He goes after the experience. He wants to capture us in the lie of a lying dead experience. I'm telling you. Literally. He doesn't want us going forward. He does not want us going forward. <laughs> Taken captive by his will. Can I function in my own will apart from Christ and not being taken captive by the enemy? It's just the way it is. Boy, he loves us. And literally, we're going to get into how much he loves us with, with, uh, with these things, with these truths, and I look forward to it uh, with you. So, Father, bless us. Thank you for blessing us with your love, giving us counsel, specific counsel for each and every single one of us. 
This counsel is. We don't have to question, is this for me? God gave it. It's for me. It's for all of us because we're one. It is for us. God is so for us. Just wants to love us. He just wants to move things out so he can move in and just love us and rest where he's resting. And he's resting. There's a beautiful verse in Zephaniah 3.17. It's been brought out. He's resting in his love. That love is his son, and that's where we're accepted. Thank you. In Ephesians 1.6, in Jesus' name, amen.